Thanks for joining me and welcome again to another episode of the Byproduct Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Pruckner, and I'm excited to be spending a few minutes with you here today getting better together because when we get better, things get better. And I'm excited to be joined here by my friend, Jimmy Rex, who is probably one of the most interesting people out there right now doing some amazing things, serving people in an amazing way. He's a speaker, an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a coach. He's making major, major waves in the world right now in a lot of different initiatives. So, Jimmy, welcome to the show. Dude, Ian, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's an honor. Man, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, you know, uh, you and I know a lot of the same people. We've connected a little bit, but you are just doing some really amazing things. In, in my opinion, you're sort of like the renaissance man of 2023 internet world, right? Like, like you're crushing it in business. You're doing amazing things in your community. You are serving so many people in so many different ways. And at the same time, you're like crushing it in a lot of the business spaces and, and doing some cool deals and, and a part of some really interesting things. And, and I love that. I love well-rounded success, right? It's not just like, hey, I'm crushing it in business, but my personal life's a mess and I'm selfish and not serving my community. And, you know, you're really doing it all and doing it all in a really big way. So I'm excited to jump into that. Um, talk to me a little bit about like where you got your start in in the business world. You're in real estate, you're investing in different deals and different companies. You're doing a lot of speaking. You've got an amazing coaching group. Uh, we are the day, which we're going to jump into in a few minutes here. But where'd you get your start? How did you begin? How did you end up here? Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, when I was younger, I think everybody has the same desire. You, you want to, when you, you're older, you want to, you know, have money, you want to, you know, be rich or whatever, so you can have a cool life, but you don't really know how that's going to happen. And for me, there was a couple things that happened along the way that were pretty pivotal. I, uh, you know, I learned at a very young age, I like talking to people. And so I remember like when I was in high school and I was trying to make the high school baseball team and we did a fundraiser to sell t-shirts, you know, and um, whoever sold the most won like a pair of batting gloves or something. I remember second place sold like 15 t-shirts and I sold like 160, right? Like wow. I just went door to door for two days around the entire community and I just had no problem talking to people. And so I always kind of gravitated towards those jobs. And, um, you know, so I got into a, a business when I was like 21. Uh, I did a TV show. I, I had started and produced. I started a company that sold steak and chicken door to door, just throw a freezer in the back of my truck and we would go door to door. And, um, you know, that was a pivotal day too. my first day on the door selling meat, because again, I, I you know, you want to have success, but you don't know if it's going to happen for you. And I remember that day, my first day in about an hour and a half, I made probably 300 bucks and it just changed my whole life. I knew that my worst case scenario, I would make, you know, six figures selling steak and chicken door to door. And when you have that kind of certainty, it allows you to try a lot of other things. And that's what I did. And so, you know, I just started playing with some different business ideas and things and kind of got into real estate just to do my own investment deals. Um, but I got in in 2005 and the market just exploded. And um, and I got to ride that for a couple of years and, you know, thought I was God's gift to real estate. My second full year as an agent, uh, with one assistant, I sold 98 homes, was one of the two finalists for salesperson of the year on the Salt Lake Board of Realtors. And, and it kind of just propelled me because I started opening doors. And here's one of the things that, Ian, that I learned in, you know, in my 20s is that if you have success young, if you're making money, you're making moves, everybody wants to kind of be around you. Everybody wants to know what you're doing. Everybody wants you at their thing. And it just opens a lot of doors for you. And I think a lot of people kind of just squander their 20s. They don't really work hard. They don't really push it. And I mean, if you get rich in your 30s, your 40s, no one really cares. You're kind of supposed to, you know, but if you really start making it in your 20s, I mean, you I had 
person after person, mentor after mentor, door after door open for me that I had no business being in these rooms. I had no business being coached by these people. I had no business uh, having these relationships that I did, but they just kept opening up for me. And that allowed me to just have a lot of other really cool experiences. And so I had the opportunity, you know, I um, started teaching at the university. I, uh, I coached a high school baseball team. I was just always doing things on the side and I throw in a lot of parties and events. I, I've probably thrown over 200 parties in my life now. And um, just, you know, I love to do that, to get people together, to unite people and all these different things. There's these different levels of growth that come with each one. And eventually, um, ultimately led me, you know, in my real estate career about four years ago, I kind of was at the peak of my career. My team that year was number one in the state at the time. I just sold the most expensive home ever sold in Utah. It was $32.5 million house. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, making almost seven figures in like 20 minutes. And um, But I, I realized that I wanted something more. I wanted to do something more impactful, something to leave a little bit more of a legacy. And that's where I started leaning into this idea that became what is now We Are The They, which is my men's coaching group and got about 500 people in that program now. And Wow. Um, just kind of taken off in the last two years. And so that's a little bit of my path. But yeah, man, it's, uh, it's been a fun ride. I just I get bored easily. I try, I'm not afraid to try something. And, um, you know, my podcast, I, I've got almost 500 episodes now. I mean, in the last week, I've, you know, I've interviewed, you know, Johnny Manziel, Jerry West, uh, you know, Lewis Howes. I mean, I can get about anybody on my podcast now. And all these successful people, the people that have made things happen, they all kind of have the same qualities. And uh, the one quality that stands out of all of them, though, is that they're not afraid to take action. Yeah. And if I could say anything about my life, it's that I was never been afraid to try something. You know, I fall on my face all the time. I even on my coaching program, I just had a guy on. And to be honest, it was um, it was a little bit of a stretch to try to get him to talk about what he was getting. It was a little bit out there. And half the group was like, I'll never get that hour back. And then half the group was like, <laughs> I actually took a lot away from this. But it was it was a little different. And I yeah. even the whole call, I'm like cringing like i hope the guys are okay with this call um but that's just the way it is you know i'm not afraid to try something i'm not afraid to yeah. put something out there and, and i think that's the thing that uh i do really well that uh i've just picked up from other people that i've seen is just that ability to take action on things yeah that's that's really an interesting thought right because most people just play it safe they find the routine they find the formula and then they work the heck out of it and that's great but that formula is creating success now and relevance now and as the world moves if we don't make some of those changes, if we're not willing to take risks and be bold and take action, then eventually we become irrelevant and we move away from the impact that we're having. A couple of things that I love that you were talking about there. Number one is succeed early, right? One of the things I love to say, success loves speed. And another idea is that the faster you can build your dreams, the more time you have to live in them, right? And you said like, hey, in 30s, 40s, 50s, like you're kind of supposed to be succeeding by that point. But if you can get it done early, you catch a lot of attention, you open a lot of doors, right? Because you're doing something that's unusual. And I love that, you know, so many people, they spend their entire life as the underdog. They're like behind and it's cool to be the underdog sometimes, but if you're always the underdog, you are just unprepared, right? Like, like that's not a good place to be in life. And so, you know, I, I love the fact that you have, you know, gotten some, some cool things done early and that sets you up. Now, a lot of people probably listen to that think like, oh, this guy's special and he's different. He had all these things. He's got the golden touch. I'm sure that's not true, right? All, all along, you know, starting the, the meat business and getting into real estate, like, hey, it wasn't just this like progression straight to the top, right? I'm sure you had challenges and setbacks and obstacles and people who were not for you along the way. Talk to me a little bit about that. What are a couple of the challenges you met along the way and how did you overcome them? 
Yeah, no, I think one of the biggest lies that we have is people see, you know, the highest successful people and they think that there's something uber special about them. In some cases there is, but it's very rare to be honest. Most people, it's just the consistency over time. It's, you know, yeah. it's my mentor used to say, fall in love with the monotonous routine. And he said the difference between successful and unsuccessful people is that successful people have merely learned to do the things that unsuccessful people don't want to do. Yeah. Um, all, you know, the people that, ultimately gain success or become the experts become the best they're just the people that just kept doing it and grinding and it's not sexy it's day after day it's call after call i mean when i was building my real estate business i called for sale by owners every day for about six years in a row three hours every day made 30 contacts you know did the ten thousand hour thing i mean just put the effort in. it's the only way you get ahead like that and i went from when i started I would get an appointment one out of every 70 calls I made. By the time I quit calling for sale by owners, I could get an appointment one out of 12. And so I got really good at doing it. And, you know, they put me on stages in front of two, 3,000 people to do these calls in real time. Um, but when I started, I was terrible, just like everybody else. And, you know, it's just a matter of getting better over time. I mean, everybody that's amazing at something once was a novice, once they sucked, right. you know? And so you just get better and better at it. But you either have to, uh, think to yourself like, well, that person's just special. They have talents and skills I'll never have, or you've got to do the work yourself. And for most people, they don't want to know what that even looks like. You know, sure. I laugh, like some people say that they're working hard now and I'll see what they're doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you, you don't even know what hard work looks like. You yeah. literally don't even know what it looks like. And, you know, not to discredit that, but like, if you really want to get ahead in life, you know, it is becoming, um, very uncomfortably obsessed with being the best at that thing. Like when I got into real estate, I said, I want to be in two years where it takes most 20 to get there. And I was, I was the number one agent within a couple of years. And, um, you know, and even with my men's group, I said, you know, I said, I want to really give everything to this that I want to have the best group within a year's time. And, and I believe I've accomplished that. And so I just, you know, I, I will relentlessly work and outwork everybody else. And here's the thing is you're going up against people like me. So if you're not putting in the work, if you're, you know, real estate agents will ask me, like, I, I want to go part time. And I said, let me just give you a, a little hint. Okay. I said, I would never be a part time real estate agent because I couldn't look a client in the eye and tell them I was going to be as good of a choice for them as somebody like Jimmy Rex, who's not only full time, but double time and has worked so hard, become an expert and worked so hard on his skills and abilities. If you can't honestly look that person in the eye and tell them that they're their best choice, then why would you even want to work with them? And so for me, that was the reason why it's like, you have to be, um, you know, relentless in your pursuit of excellence. And by the way, excellence isn't for everybody. And so if that's not what you want, then no. forget every single thing I've said. But if you truly are trying to be the best at something, that's what it looks like. And I love what you're talking about there, because to be the best, it really is a function of this relentless activity, right? Like, hey, I'm just going to get out there and I'm going to do what other people aren't willing to do. And that's how I learn. And what I found is there's a lot of people that are quick to doubt their skill sets. They think like, I need to know something or they, they have some secret tool, right? And really, they should be doubting their level of activity. Like you said, they feel like they're working, but they're really not working, right? It's just that their capacity for work and their capacity for focus is so low that they're really hitting that brim and it feels like they're working, but it's it's on a relatively low scale. And that the skill set is a byproduct of the activity, right? Like you went from 36 calls to, to get an appointment to 12 by making thousands of calls. That's how you did it. There was no course. There wasn't, I mean, you could get a coach or a mentor or somebody to help you shortcut that, but you still got to do the work. You still got to make those calls. You still got to find out what's working and not working. 
So let's jump into talking about We Are The Day. You know, I had a, I had Sean Whalen in, uh, talking on one of my groups, and he talked a little bit about your group, We Are The Day. And I, I really love what you're doing here, and I love the name. He talked a little bit about the name. And so correct me if I'm wrong, right? But he basically said, you know, hey, Jimmy started this group because everybody says that they're going to do something about it. Somebody, there's this problem over here. Somebody will fix it. Somebody will help them. They'll deal with it. They'll solve homelessness. They'll solve child trafficking. They'll solve this problem or that problem. And that's sort of like what we tell ourselves to excuse us from being able to step in and do what we can do where we are, right? It's like they are going to do it. But who is they? Like, who are these people that are going to make the world a better place? Where are they and when are they going to show up? And the answer that Sean talked about is we are they. We're here in this moment with this time with these problems and some capacity that God has given us to solve them. We are the they. And he was talking about your group. And so talk a little bit about the name the meaning behind that name and really the culture that you've created there because you're doing some amazing things with these guys. Yeah, no, thank you. And yeah, Sean's been a great mentor for me. And, you know, I kind of modeled a lot of my uh, formula of the group after what he had. He and I went on a trip to Canada about five years ago and I watched what he was doing and it just was like, wait, what, what are you doing? And it was, and, and it just really sparked that curiosity. And so, um, you know, yeah, I was coming back from an op. I was undercover with Operation Underground Railroad. The movie The Sound of Freedom is out right now. Most people have probably seen it by now. And I used to go undercover with that group, went on um, over a dozen ops, helped rescue over a hundred children. And I came back from one of the ops and yeah, my girlfriend picked me up uh, in my truck from the airport. And on the way home, I'm telling her this story. And it was probably our most dangerous op. I mean, it was a scary one, to be honest. These guys, if at any point would have known what we were there for, we were dead. And uh, and as I'm telling her this, we did the rescue. We did the takedown. got these guys arrested. And, and she pulls over and she says, hey, uh, I, don't, I don't think I want you doing this anymore. I said, what are you talking about? This is, is going to be part of my life's mission. Like, you know, was, like, did you not just hear the story? We rescued these kids and everything else. She goes, I know, but it's super dangerous. And, and uh, you know, it's a bad environment. I was like, well, okay, but I mean, like, but like, look what we did. And, and she said, I know, but why can't they just go do it? And in my mind, I remember like thinking like, well, there is no they. Like, we are the they. And when I said that to her, it just like shot shivers down my spine. I was like, oh my gosh, that's going to be my life motto. And so it started just as kind of my own little motto. I tattooed it on my arm and that became... Um, kind of my thing. And it was like, you know, I saw a kid that was being bullied at a local high school. He was a, an immigrant kid, uh, had been adopted from Haiti and, um, you know, and everybody on this thread, I remember just all the keyboard warriors, like, this is so bad, blah, 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 blah. It's like hundreds of comments and the night the news story broke. And I was like, well, nobody's doing anything about this. I'll just fix it. So I got on the phone. I started calling all my influential friends. I called guys like Sean. I called a couple of the jazz players, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were friends of mine. I'd thrown some parties for them and uh, called some of my buddies in the NFL, you know, Fred Warner and Kyle Van Noy. I called my buddy Garrett G, the bucket list family. And I just got them all to like reach out to this kid. And next thing we know, you know, Rudy bought him courtside tickets to the game and Donovan gave him his shoes and we got uh, one of my buddy Steve donated cleats for his whole soccer team so that he could connect with the other boys and then all this money was being donated and we threw a party for their high school uh, Pleasant Grove High School and, and so everybody could come together and you know we had 500 pizzas donated and um, the kid had got shit thrown on his car and so I had a car wash give him car washes for life and like just all sorts of stuff and this all happened yeah. in like 12 hours like this wasn't like a two-month project 
and it immediately changed the story and it showed how amazing utah is as opposed to this place that and it turns out the kid it's a long story but it was a misunderstanding but still it was like the community came together and it was just one of those things i'm like how oh, this is so easy to do it was yeah. like we do these i was you know mel abraham um amazing mentor and coach of mine he was on the, one of my calls today uh with my group as well and and he he had a quote and you know he's talking about his dad his dad helped smuggle um people out of a uh, war zone back when he was a kid and this crazy story and and he asked him on his deathbed why he did it and his dad said he said uh, because it was the right thing to do yeah and that's really the only reason we have to do things it's it's the litmus test for anything is i just say to the guys that i coach i say what would a good person do like just ask yourself a question if you pee on the seat what would a good person do they'd wipe <laughs> it off if you drop a wrapper on the ground what would a good person do well they'd pick it up if somebody's yeah. yelling at you and they you accidentally cut them off in the line or in traffic or something, what would a good person do? They'd apologize, sorry, and move on, you know? Yeah. And so, and then I always say, like, our big thing with We Are The They is, is helping guys be vulnerable, authentic, and in integrity. And so one of the things I always say is, look, it's pretty simple. You know, like, you know if you're doing something wrong. You know if you're being shitty. You know if you're flirting too much with the waitress. You know if you're uh, just, you know, saying something behind somebody's back you shouldn't be saying. You know. And when you, that is what integrity is, it's not a set of rules that a religion gives you or anything else. It's like at the end of the day, you freaking know if you're doing the right thing or not. And if you're not, fix it. And when you catch yourself talking shit on somebody or you catch yourself being a little bit out of an integrity anyway, you just, you know, course correct. And then ultimately you become a man of integrity that, that you're proud to be. Yeah. And those are those little things, those little decisions that can be made daily that add up to the big results that everybody wants in their life, right? Because you can't buy that integrity you you can't take it from somebody you can't shortcut your way there like you earn that trust with yourself by making the right choice and doing the hard things because they're the right things over and over and over again and little things right and so many people jimmy i think you know, they have they're waiting for like this big breakthrough this big moment but if we can't do those little things right in, in integrity how are we ever going to do the big things right how are we ever going to manage a lot of influence how are we ever going to manage a lot of money a lot of trust if we won't do that with ourselves first and then model that in these like little decisions that end up making big ripples in the world sometimes talk to me a little bit about the hundred dollar tip thing that ended up turning into the thousands of dollars tip thing and you know this is one of my favorite things that i saw you doing and you really did start like a sort of a yeah, nationwide little... movement out of it in a yeah. really unique time talk a little bit about that yeah, I mean, when COVID, you know, that whole thing, um, they were shutting restaurants down. And I'm I, I'm a uniter. Like, my favorite thing is to get people together. It's what I do with my whole coaching group now. Like, my legacy of weird that they is connecting good people. And uh, and I was furious with the lockdowns and everything else. I knew immediately I started calling bullshit because, um, you know, the devil divides us and God gets us together. And people need to be around each other. We need community. We, need, we can't be isolated Absolutely. and stuff. And so... Um, one of the things that really upset me, we'd opened a restaurant, me and some friends, Sean being one of my partners in that, uh, called Mas Por Favor in Vegas. We opened it a month before, um, the pandemic and all that stuff happened. And so they had to, you know, Vegas shut it down. I mean, it was like dead no. And, and, uh, and so I, my heart was going out to the restaurant owners. And, um, so probably about, I don't know, April or May, 2020, I just had this idea. I saw a video of some people that had gone to a breakfast and each person brought a hundred dollars and they gave it to the waitress, like a $400 tip. And I was like, that's amazing. And the waitress is crying. And I watched the video, I'm bawling at my desk, you know, and I'm just like, well, shit, I'm going to do this. 
I'm going to do this, but I'm going to get big groups, you know? And so the first week we got like 30 of us, everyone had to bring a hundred bucks to participate. We all left, you know, we left a $3,000 tip. And then the next week got 30 of us and we left a $3,000 tip and we would record it because we wanted it to go viral. We wanted to create a movement around it. And by the third week, I think we had over a hundred people show up for this dinner. We left a $10,000 tip to the staff of this restaurant that had just been struggling, you know, the waiters and waitresses and everything. And uh, from there, it kind of took fire. Um, every single day, people were going and hosting their own groups. I mean, we had a group every week in Alabama, Kentucky, Michigan, Arizona, a couple in California. Um, I, you know, a group did it in Germany, one in Mexico. I mean, it became this really oh. cool thing. And, and you know, it's funny because uh, we were just having the experience was just um, – when you see like people say the money can't buy happiness this is what quote that I kind of made up. And I think it was funny as I said, people that say that money can't buy happiness, haven't given enough of it away. Yeah. Um, you know, happy. <laughs> we would great. go to Denny's. We'd purposely go to like a Denny's like 30 of us. And not, I remember this one waitress just hustle and just all, she took care of all of us. And she was amazing. And we leave the tip and, you know, and just like, and every single time we'd do it, there'd be this crazy story. And the waitress would be like, how did you know I needed this? And it's like, because we all need it. You know, it's yeah. like, we all need to, wow. something going on in our lives. And, um, but it was just looking for opportunities. You know, my prayer every morning when I leave the house is to God. I say, lead me to the people that need me. And wow. I believe what's cool then is when things happen, I said, okay, well, this is me being guided. You know, if I have a feeling to do something or if I'm in line at the checkout and somebody's credit card isn't working, it's, it's you know, it's my calling. Boom. All right, here I am to to help out or whatever. And it's just part of that, you know, just doing the thing because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I love this. It's so good and it's so simple, right? Because ultimately it's, do what's in front of them. Like, I think people are like, man, I want to do something like that. And what a great idea or what a, an awesome impact. Like, how did you think of it? And the answer was, it was right in front of your face, right? Like, yeah, people, people you, kept hitting me up and they're like, dude, I want to come to your event. Can you do it on this date? I said, no, but you can. Like, yeah. just go throw it. Like, go. Yeah, why don't you they're just like, go? Well, I can't get a big group of people together. I said, go to dinner with yourself, one person, leave a $100 tip. You just yeah. did it. Like, it doesn't Start need there. to be 30 people, yeah. you know? Right. And, and that goes back to like people wanting things to be big when big things come from small things, right? Like that's where you start. Hey, there's a need. I love what you said. God, lead me to the people who need me. And the second part of that prayer for most people is give me the boldness to act on that when I see it, to not be too busy, to not be so selfish, to not be so consumed in my own little world that I can see the person and the need that you brought to me. And let me act with what I have, where I am right now, not tomorrow, not somebody else, not when it's better, not when I have 30 people right now, me and that hundred dollars, I can start a movement. And that is a really powerful way to live in a way that I think inspires so many people. And that's why some of this content, you know, you, you've really done a great job on TikTok of getting a lot of amazing, you know, things going viral. And, and it's because you, I think you speak to that person inside of us, that good person in every one of us that's that's longing to get out and make a difference well yeah and i mean like a, well like a lot of people you know they'd be like well if you guys really were doing this for charity you wouldn't be filming it and i was like no i'm doing this to inspire other people why sure. is the only things we can share negative things like where yeah. there's this idea okay. that people get from the bible that if you talk about doing charity it doesn't count it's like no that's bullshit like if you're doing something cool share it like who gives a yeah. flying flip i Absolutely. know my heart i know why i'm doing it and if i can inspire like you know, people would come at me. They're like, Jimmy, you're just trying to like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? 
two days ago, I got tagged in a post. Some waitress in Kentucky got an $1,800 tip because my ass filmed this two months ago. So kiss my ass. I don't care if you don't like the way I'm doing it. That lady in tears, she's glad I posted about it. So I don't care if you keyboard warrior didn't like that I did it, you know? And you know, I think that's such a good point because no matter what you do, you're never going to make everybody happy. There's going to be people that always find fault. You know, I heard a story about Mother Teresa after she had passed, you know, going through the church for sainthood. And Mm -hmm. there's a process for being, you got to be nominated. And then there's basically like sort of like a legal argument made for why you should be a saint. And then people can object. And this is Mother Teresa, right? And she had apparently days worth of objectors to this process. And it's like, Here's somebody who's selfish, selfishly, selflessly <laughs> given their life to serve the downtrodden. And you got people that think like, no, she didn't de- deserve that. She doesn't deserve any of this. And so like, you know, what hope do we have <laughs> really of, of escaping life uncriticized, right? And so we're going to be criticized no matter what we do, even if we're making a big difference in the lives of other people. So you just got to do it. You just got to suck it up and get it done. Talk to me about the community events. I love one of the things you said uh, in one of your pieces recently that, you know, you had said, hey, if you wanted to, to start something from scratch and really get things going quickly, you would do that through like putting on community events. And you've done some really amazing events in Utah and other places. Talk to me about your philosophy there. Yeah, no, I mean, well, you know, uh, most people, they ask for stuff before they've given enough to really be able to ask and not make it um, about them. And so my whole philosophy is just, um, Zig Ziglar's, right? Like if you want to get everything you want in life, just help enough other people get what they want. I mean, it's very hard not to like somebody that's always pouring into you and giving to you and things like that. And so for me, um, I just try to go about, you know, like helping doing a lot of different events. I love to throw parties, um, you know, with my real estate team, I started doing those parties cause I had people on my team that didn't like the prospect. And so I said, well, let's make the call more comfortable. Let's rent out the movie theater. This is how it started. And I said, just call up all your friends and say, Hey, I got two free tickets to the movie. we got the special premiere. Do you want to come? This is 20 years ago, you know, and before anybody was even doing this. And, uh, and all of a sudden those calls got very comfortable. They were talking to everybody and then, Hey, well, I've got you on the phone. Do you know anybody looking to buy or sell a house? And then from there, you know, I started doing um, some other community events. I did an Easter egg drop where we have a helicopter drop a bunch of eggs on the kids. And um, it starts to become these family traditions for people. I mean, there's literally thousands of people that come to all my events now. You know, we have, I think we had over 10,000 people at my 4th of July event this year. We, you know, we do the largest private fireworks show in the state of Utah. Uh, just a crazy party and just all these different things. And, and you know, and it's it's just a fun way to live, if nothing else. Like, there's plenty of people that make more money than I do, but it's really fun to do it the way I do. And so I think that's the whole reason I do it. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Talk to me about the best and the worst deals that you found yourself in. What did you learn from them? Um, well, in general, investing, number one is um, everything sounds like a good investment. That's why you're being pitched. It's a pitch. Um, okay. You know, it's the number one rule that I would make is uh, just say no to everything until you understand it completely. Like, um, what I say to people now, I get pitched a couple times a week, usually at least once a day, something. And I just say, thank you. I'm spending all my time, energy, and money on my own thing. So I'm not interested. Just leaves them nowhere to go. Um, because if not, I would try to be friendly and be like, well, you just look at the deck. I just want you to review it for me and all this. And I would, next thing you know, you're spending 50,000 here, a hundred thousand here, and you're, you know, investing in things that just aren't working out. And I lost a lot of money on a lot of investments because I trusted people. I thought everybody was good and um, they're not, you know, I had a lot of people take my money and they don't honor it. Nobody will ever 
protect your money like you will. Um, right. I mean, I'm a real estate guy. Until you own 20 or 30 real estate properties, I wouldn't invest in anything else just because the leverage you can get from real estate and good times or bad times, as long as you buy it correctly, it's going to cash flow and make you money. And so um, private equity, I'd stay away from. Uh, you know, I made some big investments that paid off. I invested in one called Intrada Software. That's a billion dollar company. Now I invested in Nikola Motors that at one point was over a $30 billion company. Um, I was a seed round investor in that, um, but I didn't know what I was doing and neither did they. And, you know, I mean, I lost over $20 million in one day when the Hindenburg report hit. Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was every day waking up. My money was tied up, so I couldn't sell um, until December. This was in the summer of 2020. And I'd wake up every day and make or lose a million bucks based on the stock, what it was doing. Wow. I was a pretty crazy time, but, um, but, you know, and ultimately it's that advice from richest man in Babylon is, you know, do not invest in things you don't understand. I think a lot of people learn that lesson the hard way with crypto and NFTs and the metaverse and all these other things. Like they all sound good and you know, somebody getting rich from it, but those people are, the money's shifting from one person to another. And so, yeah, um, usually if you don't understand it, you're the one that's going to be losing your money. I think that's just great fundamental, solid advice. And so tough because it looks so sexy, right? And everybody's got this great pitch deck and, and people have this way to manufacture this momentum today, especially through social media and make things look maybe ways that they aren't, right? And so I think that that's fantastic, fantastic advice. Jimmy, what are the top three things that you wish you knew earlier in life? You had a lot of early success, but what do you, if you could go back 20 years, knowing what you know today, what would you tell yourself? What are those two or three pieces of wisdom that would have saved you some time or some money or some relationships or maybe all of those things? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, to be honest, um, it's one of those things that we don't really have the hindsight. But number one, I would say is um, don't sell any of your real estate, honestly. <laughs> was, I had so many good pieces of real estate that were cash flowing that I sold just because and I should have kept all of them. Um, so that's one piece of advice that I would give my younger self. Another one would be, um, uh, honestly, probably the, and this is probably the only thing I'd say to myself is like, ultimately, this is your life. Nobody truly cares about it like you do. It's do what you feel is right. Um, I did that pretty well, um, but I could have done some things a little bit earlier, trusted my heart. Um, there were some very, very difficult decisions I made uh, that at the time were just really scary. And, you know, I... I took me longer than maybe it needed to, to make some of those decisions. But ultimately there's not a whole lot to go back and say, and cause I love the way it's turned out and you know, the yeah. butterfly effect, I wouldn't want to screw it up. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's one of those things that like, Hey, all those pieces, the good and the bad and everything in between is what made this. And this is pretty amazing. Right. And so it's like, mm -hmm. Hey, I don't know if I want to go back and re-engineer it, but at the same time, we're always learning and growing and our capacities are stretching and we become better equipped. So I love that. Jimmy, listen, you are doing such amazing things. I love your heart for people, right? You said, hey, I, I want to serve people. I want to make a difference. And I think that that's something that everybody can tell about you. And you're just out there living Jimmy and documenting some of that. And I think you're sparking a lot of, a, a lot of light in a lot of people's hearts to go out and, and do some of the things that they feel like they're supposed to be doing and make a difference where they are and take action now and be the they that everybody else is waiting for. And so I love that. I love what you're doing. How do people connect with you further? Where can they find you? How can they connect with what you're doing? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that, Ian. Um, I post everything through my Instagram. So I have my podcast that comes out every week. I have when I have a speaking gig or an event, whenever I open up my program, we do everything through Instagram. And so Mr. Jimmy Rex is my Instagram. And that's the best place to go to follow me or to you know get the links to all my other websites.
Mr. Jimmy Rex, right? On Instagram. So guys, you heard that. Hey, take two seconds right now. What did we talk about earlier? Like, do it now. Take action now where you are with what you have. So like, hey, why don't you go right now? Just push pause. Go right now. Go to Instagram and go follow Jimmy there. I promise you, you won't regret it. And you'll have these little, these little reminders every day that like, hey, you have a chance to make a difference today where you are today. If you're brave enough to act on that today and to not put it off to someone else sometime else, do it now. Go give Jimmy a follow right now. Make sure to connect, share his content. And I would encourage you to get involved. Take a look at We Are The They. And it's not just men. You have some women's groups now that are doing amazing. And you guys are like running with the bulls in Spain and like, you know, mountain climbing, doing all these like really amazing things. It's like, wow, like that is like bucket list stuff. And you're doing it together with a group of people who want to impact the world and be people of integrity and make a big difference. And so I think that that is an amazing thing. Check that out. Follow Jimmy on all the platforms and do yourself a favor. Get connected to the podcast and connected to what he's doing. Jimmy, listen, I know how busy you are and uh, how important your time is. Thank you so much for investing a little bit of it with us today. And I'm excited to continue building our relationship. Hey guys, until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks everyone.